Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with David C.M. Carter, David Carter for short, and him and I had a conversation on how you can build a competitive edge on your team. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about David. David is a serial entrepreneur, otherwise known as the world's leading CEO mentor with 40 plus years track record in creating innovative businesses and mentoring leaders and influencers around the globe. Entelecki Academy is the Entelecki of David's career and his legacy project, where he has gathered brilliant minds in education, coaching, and professional organizations to support millions in becoming the best version of themselves. And I hope you enjoy this conversation as David and I talk about Entelecki, helping you be your best version of yourself and how you can build a competitive edge on your team. Welcome, welcome, David Carter. We are so excited to have you. You are across the pond from me over in England, and I'm excited that you're joining us here on the Leadership Habit today to talk about how we can build that competitive edge on our teams. Welcome to the show, David. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, and now, of course, I love to start off with just helping our audience understand who you are, how you came to be. I know that during our pre-call, we talked about this. Your story got me and it definitely was an emotional one and made me cry. And maybe the audience will be lucky enough to hear it. But David, if you could just go ahead and tell our audience a little bit more about you and how you came to be, how you came to work with Entelecki and form Entelecki, we want to hear it all. Or maybe none of it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We want to hear it all. But if you could go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience, we would love to hear more about you. Um, well, I don't think we've got enough time for that because I was born, <laughs> I, I was born at a very young age and I'm now 64 and I've squeezed a lot of stuff in those last 64 years. But um, I think that I was born in England. I um, spent the early part of my uh, life living in Australia and New Zealand with my dad's job, uh, came back and settled in England as a schoolboy. I was highly dyslexic, which in those days, uh, they didn't have a posh word like dyslexia. It was just called stupid. Um, and of course, I'm not stupid. I'm just dyslexic, which is a gift. But I decided that I didn't want to go to college or university and I wanted to get out in the world and start earning a living and i was fortunate that i ended up working for the first 10 years of my career for two investment banks who sent me to work in seven different countries around the world for more than a year and what i became fascinated in was um what i now call performance x factor how come those two companies started in the same town in the same year with access to the same resources? And one of them 10 years later was 27 times bigger than the other one. What did they do or have that the other one didn't do or have? And that's what we're going to call performance X factor in our chat today. And um, after 10 years of doing that, I had a wonderful boss and a wonderful mentor who called me into his office in March of 1988 and said, well, young man, record year, record bonus. Um, I think it's time you moved on. Um, stop consulting and advising entrepreneurs and go and be one. So my last paycheck was in June of 1988. So a long time ago now, 30 plus years. Um, and I've been self-employed ever since then. Uh, the first 10 years of my career, I did two startups in the UK hospitality industry. Um, the first one I built up and sold to a trade buyer. <clears throat> the second one I built up and floated on the alternative investment stock market in London. Uh, and it was the very early days of that market. And I had the thrill and joy of being the best performing share, share on the market. And I had the ignominy and shame of being the worst performing share on the market all within a few months of each other. Um, and so that was my first two startups. 
I then had a rather dramatic tectonic plate shift happen in my life, and I ended up being a single parent to a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. And um, I decided that the children came first, and so I resigned my job as the public company CEO because I couldn't juggle and do both properly. And whilst I was thinking about what I wanted to do next, um, loads of people came to me and said, oh, can you help me decide whether to float my company or raise money, expand overseas, change my board, change our strategy or whatever? And I ended up with half a dozen CEOs who I was mentoring on whatever the topic was they wanted some help with. And a rather funny conversation with my mother um, who said to me, oh, it's going so well for you, darling. Uh, and I said, well, it is going well, mum, but I'm just so busy with all these clients. I, I haven't got any time to think about what I'm going to do next. And she said, oh, I thought this was what you were doing next. <laughs> so that evening on the drive home, I remember thinking, you know, I'm actually pretty good at this. I really love doing it. It pays the bills and it makes a difference. So maybe this is what I'm doing. And 15 years later, I had eventually, I built up what eventually became the world's leading chief executive mentoring company with offices and clients and mentors all around the world. And uh, that was a big success story. Um, we were a tiny little company and we punched way above our weight, having clients like McKinsey and PwC and lots and lots of major multinational companies. Um, which was kind of amusing because I think at its peak, I had 68 mentors, all of whom had been former Fortune 100, FTSE 100 CEOs. And I was the only one in our midst who hadn't been to university, didn't have an MBA, hadn't run a FTSE or Fortune 100 company, uh, but I seemed to be in demand. Um, and I then... I didn't get bored in a, in a negative sense, but I wanted to democratise what we were doing and make it available to people beyond just the C-suite. And my senior leadership team didn't want to do that, and so I decided it was time for me to move on rather than change the whole company. I've been there 15 years. And um, I was picked up by one of Britain's leading PR gurus, who decided I should be turned into a brand, the mentor. And uh, so I worked with him and his company for a number of years, which was fantastic. Um, he got me to write a book uh, called Breakthrough, which became a bestseller, How to Become the Best Version of Yourself. Um, I did a lot of work on television, with the BBC and radio and book tours, speaking tours, travel the world. And that was when I got the idea that is now in Teleki about how we could democratize what we were doing with a small number of expensive fee-paying clients and make it available to everybody. And that's a long story, but the red thread throughout my life has been helping people become more, achieve more than they thought was possible for them. And to help people get to that next level. And the word entelechy is actually my favorite word ever. Uh, and it was a word coined by Aristotle. And so the entelechy of a person is the very best version of that person with all of their potential fully actualized. Um, it can apply to other living things too. So like the entelechy of an acorn is an oak tree. Uh, the entelechy of a caterpillar is a butterfly, but the entelechy of Jen is the very best version of Jen with all of her potential fully actualized. And I've always loved that because everybody is capable of being more of anything. And sometimes they don't realize how easy it is. And when they have a go and try it and it works, they're like, wow, I didn't think I could do that before. Well, now you know you can do it. And so what about another one? What about another one? And so this is um, a project which has only launched in the last few months. It's super exciting. It's my legacy project. I want to help the world develop their entelechy. I want everyone on the planet to understand they can be more and they can develop their own leadership performance X factor. 
And we do that through helping develop 54 character qualities. Okay, so I know that you said that we weren't going to cry on this podcast episode, but I am tearing up because what I what I heard as you were sharing your story is an extreme story of resilience, whether it was, you know, growing up with dyslexia, dyslexia and the labels or the stigma or not even the right words for that, to then growing into, I didn't go to university, but I created a ton of success, but I also have the shame of some failures. And then believing that every single individual. Sorry, can I, I just stop? I went no, right. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> First of all, you're using two words that I want us to talk about: success and failure. I, I wouldn't describe myself as successful. If and if success is the opposite of failure, we need to define what failure is. You know, my mother gave me a great phrase once upon a time that failure isn't falling down, failure is staying down. I have fallen down many, many times, but I picked myself up, dusted myself down, got back on the horse and carried on. And so I have never really failed. I've had lots and lots of fantastic growth opportunities. And so to me, success is about keeping going longer than anybody else. You need to work hard and try hard, but success isn't the opposite of failure. And, you know, if you think that success means money, you can always find a million people with more money than you. And even if I had the money to buy a private island, I wouldn't because it's not one of my things. And so to me, success is being happy, healthy, and becoming my IntelliKey every day, being a better version of myself. And surviving and thriving, you know, I probably do a bit better than the average person, but I think my greatest successes have been that when I've fallen over, I've stood up and had another go. So I don't think I've ever failed. I I really love that, like the reframe of how to look at it. And I think even knowing the level of success, you have coached some of the top executive leaders in the globe or around the globe. And just being able to say that, because I know that there's people that compare themselves that think that people maybe don't struggle or don't struggle as hard. And yet you're saying that it's all about our own resiliency and how we, you know, adapt to when things do or do not go the right way. It's all about how we pick ourselves up. I, I love that because I think sometimes people at the top, we lose sight of the fact that failure, whatever we want to call it, missteps, mistakes, things go wrong, happen. But it's all about, again, continuing to improve and build on that. And you're a true story of resilience in so many ways. And I just am so grateful to even have you. So to our audience, we have someone that is very, very, as we would call it, successful. But they're not here sitting and saying, well, it was so easy. Let me tell you how great I am and how I didn't actually (laughs) fail. And that didn't happen because there is too much of that today where we see that on social media, like these kind of false realities that are presented as if people are not struggling or don't have struggles. And I just want to say thank you for your vulnerability and even sharing that, because I think that allows us to see how can we actually build a competitive edge? It's not by doing things without fail or without mistakes, but it's about continuing to pick ourselves up. So let's dive into the performance X factor. What is the performance X factor? Um. Well, I would say this, wouldn't I? But I really do believe it all comes down to character. Um, Aristotle also had another wonderful phrase, which is that character determines destiny. And so we all end up where we end up in life as the direct function of our character. So two people can be born in the same town in the same year, go to the same school, get the same grades and the same subjects. And how come one of them 20 years later is the CEO of a thriving, successful business and the other one's a bus driver in the local bus driving depot? Not that there's anything wrong with that. If that's their passion and their thing. Um, So I think that... um, Performance X Factor is all about dialing up 
these 54 character qualities to their optimum level in a in a number of different contexts and i know that your um your listeners won't be able to see this uh but um as we're chatting i'm going to share something with you when we sit down with companies who we talk about helping them become companies of character i show them this page and just say there's 54 character qualities on here pick out half a dozen of the 54 that you'd like everyone in your company to be and tell me if they were what the benefits to them and your organization would be and they look through and think oh we'd like everyone to be adaptable and confident and curious and expressive and and harmonious and collaborative and accountable and disciplined and organized and reliable and resilient and and I said whoa whoa, whoa hang on you're only allowed half a dozen <laughs> oh no no we want all of our people to be good at all of these and I said okay but which six do you want everyone to be well that takes hours because oh if I've got to take that oh no I don't want to lose that one and then I end up saying to what is it you're doing today to help your people become good at any of these character qualities. And they're like, well, we, we don't do anything at all. And it's like, okay, so let's start off with half a dozen. Let's not try and boil the ocean. And so ultimately, I think performance X factor is A, an understanding that these 54 character qualities exist and they underpin the development of all skills, hard skills, soft skills, technical skills, and being conscious in everything you do that there is probably a character quality in this interview right now, in the meeting I had before this, in a call with my team earlier on today, I needed to be analytical with them. In the call just now, I needed to be, be a bit encouraging um, and vulnerable. In a, and so I think... I'm aware because I've worked in this field for so long now, I'm aware of all of these. And every day I think to myself, right, in this meeting, I need to probably focus on being this, in that meeting, this, in this situation. And as a company, every Monday, our week begins where Amy, our COO, holds us all to account on what we're doing to develop three company character qualities of that month so this month they are being discerning and influential and organized but we also have our own personal character qualities that we're working on for the month and we work split off into little groups of three where we talk about what we're doing to become more of the character quality that we've chosen for ourselves for the month and we also have to say what we're doing uh, so a uh, this performance X factor starts off with an individual commitment to looking at how I can dial up any one of these character qualities and being better than I would have been if I hadn't thought about it. And if everybody is doing that in sync together and coaching each other and mentoring each other, and we all commit to three company character qualities each month, then by the end of the year, we've probably done 36 character qualities as a team for the company and a dozen, you know, for ourselves. I love this framework because it, and it, correct me if how I'm even understanding this is different, but it's, it's to me, I read it different as it's different than a set of operating values that a team or an organization might have because they're not fixed. It's asking ourselves, what do we need in this moment for our goals, both short-term and long-term in this moment and so as what I'm seeing is different ways to look at these qualities of whether it's you have the three different um, perspectives of people, productivity, and purpose, and the qualities that then go underneath. But I really appreciate that this is something that isn't fixed. It's something that we connect with, that we discuss. And I mean, I guess, what would you say is the difference between a character quality of a team versus the values of an organization? Because I appreciate that we will need to pull forward different things given what a specific team or organization is going through at any given time. 
Um, I'm going to give a slightly sarcastic answer to that. <laughs> Values are what organisations print in big words in a poster in their boardroom or their reception lobby, and no one pays any attention to. One of my favourite stories was <clears throat> many years ago when I was mentoring the CEO of a big oil and gas company in the UK, and I visited uh, his offices up in Scotland, and I was facilitating a workshop on their new strategy, and plastered around the boardroom were six big posters of the company's values, and at one particular difficult point in the conversation, I said to him, you know, how does this strategy tie up with these values that I'm reading around the wall? And the CEO said, oh, sorry, David, we didn't have time to change them before you arrived. I said, oh, why would you want to change them? And he said, oh, we've got two sets of values, one when oil is above $50 a barrel and the other when it's below $50 a barrel. And so I'm, I'm, I'm probably being very sarcastic and facetious, but I don't think values, they're very um, ethereal. Whereas character qualities is who you are, how you show up in the world, how your colleagues, your customers experience you. And so I can do a 180 on myself and think, okay, well, I'm pretty adaptable and I'm pretty disciplined and assertive, da, 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 da. and here's what I think my strengths are and here's a few I probably could work on. But if I ask 14 of my colleagues to ask me what they think, they're going to show me how they experience me. And we actually do this once a quarter. And I actually had a very interesting thing, you know, um, where probably 10 out of the 12 people who did my 360 all see me as being visionary, um, which I guess in my job you have to be. But interestingly, enough, and there was lots of alignment about how they saw me, but there wasn't a lot of alignment in terms of the growth opportunities. And they were scattered all over the map. And I remember thinking, oh, well, that's interesting. But then I realized, well, Amy's written down one or two that she would like me to dial up in my relationship with her. And Rachel's written down a few that she would like me to dial up in my relationship with her. And Indy's written a few. And I thought, okay, so it's not that I'm not open-minded but in a certain context in a certain situation amy would like me to dial that up and it's not that i'm not efficient but in a certain context rachel would like to see me dial that up and so it's the most incredibly rich feedback because you can think it's not that i'm not that but with that particular person i can dial it up and please them and improve my relationship with them and if everyone in the entire organization is focused on dialing up their strength, converting their growth opportunities into strength, and figuring out how they can support each other to do that, that's how you achieve performance X factor. Yes. I I mean, I love that. I'm looking at it as it's not that we're not. It's not that we're a deficit, that we are our weakness. It's about understanding in every unique situation with the individuals that we're working with, how can we alter, or as you keep saying, dialing up what, you know, that specific character quality to make sure that we actually are probably working better together, building trust, delivering what we need to be. But I appreciate within this that it's not saying if you don't have these, you're without. It's saying that if it's a blind spot, let's have those conversations. Then one question that I know that we talked about on the pre-call is I love these character qualities, but how do you, one of my favorite things that I, I'm just intrigued by is how to develop self-awareness on people. Because I think that sometimes people might think, if I assess myself, I am a really great people person and I am extremely energetic and open-minded. But yet when you do those 360s, people, are they, they might see it, but yet they still don't want to hold on to the results and data that's around them. So how do you even start to help people develop this self-awareness when maybe ego's in play and we don't want to actually identify with one of these or we don't like that label? 
Um, so let, let's take a specific example. Um, so um, one member of the team might think that they are humorous and they're always trying to add something funny to every conversation or tell a you know, funny story about every situation. But what if no one in the team thinks that their jokes are funny or actually their humour is often inappropriate and they get that feedback? You know, the person has an opportunity there because it's very rich feedback to, to either grow and say, wow, I didn't understand that about myself, that I, I don't land with other people how I thought I did. But now I've got that feedback and they've given me the context, not just the feedback. I have a choice. I can screw it up and throw it in, in the trash can and ignore it and pay no attention to it, or I can learn to grow from it. And, you know, how do we develop ourselves and develop our entelechy? You know, feedback is the food of champions. And so you have to want to learn to be more self-aware and say, why would I want to piss 10 people off in my team who don't think my humor is humorous? Why would I persevere with that? What benefit could there possibly be to me of being like that when actually they've been vulnerable and generous to give me that feedback, I should be respectful and grateful and do something with it. Oh my gosh. I feel like there's so much there just around how we have the opportunity to process feedback and what we actually look at or how we interpret it as an opportunity for growth. You are truly demonstrating the growth mindset. Crosshelm is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crosscom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crosscom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crosscom.com. When customers um, and when CEOs... What, what, other, what other mindset is there other than growth? Well, I mean, the fix, right? The belief that everything is, you know, innate or born with, but... I feel like I do notice it. I even heard last week at a conference, someone talk about how you can't have a growth mindset and make mistakes. And I, you know, you and I could obviously probably go into a conversation on how that's, that's actually that's, not that's what it's rubbish. That's <laughs> rubbish. We all make mistakes every day. And if we want to learn from those mistakes and get better and improve, that's how we learn and develop ourselves. Um, and so anybody, when I had my, uh, global CEO mentoring company, um, we had a incredible roster of people applied to join our firm. You know, after seven or eight years, we were a real little rock star in the firmament. And people used to turn up with, you know, their bio. Well, I was the CEO of this major multinational. I was the CEO of this one. We trebled our share price. And, blah, blah. and I used to listen to them, give me their five-minute sales pitch about how brilliant and wonderful they were. And then my first question was, so tell me about the things that have, have gone pear-shaped and gone wrong in your life and how you've overcome and turned those around. And if anyone ever turned around to me and said, oh, I've never had anything go wrong in my life, I said, well, how on earth can you mentor someone who's in the middle of a crisis? 
you know, you will be no good to me or my clients. So thank you for your application. Goodbye. And I remember one chap saying to me, don't you know who I am? And I said, well, I not only know who you are, but I figured out what you are too. And you will never be a great mentor if you seriously think you've never, ever made a mistake. And, and maybe you're right. You've never made one. Well done you, but you'll never be a great mentor because it's the empathy and you need to tune into what your client is going through and support them through that, which you can only really do if you've been through it yourself or something that you can relate to. I mean, like, I just love that you actually had the response for someone to say that that's not reality or you're not going to be able to help someone in any profound way if you don't own the fact that we have limitations or we have missteps along the way. So how do you work when you're, when your organization works with people to develop these character qualities, what's the starting point that you have? Because it's not values, they're not fixed from what I've gathered. It's, you know, it's really thinking in the moment of how we can show up intentionally. And so what's your starting point or how do you work with organizations to help them, you know, up-level and develop their teams to improve or dial up and dial down these character qualities? Um, there's... Part A and a part B to that question. Um, so first of all, with the company itself, as I explained a few minutes ago, we'd sit down and perhaps show them our framework and say to them, you know, what do you think the most important character qualities are for everyone in your organization across the board? And so we could come up with a, a, a company set of character qualities. But we also say to them, you know, we understand that people in sales might need a few that people in finance don't need or people in warehousing need different ones to people in logistics and supply chain or imports and exports. And so, but there will be a set of character qualities that everyone in the entire organization should be able to demonstrate. And so we'll help them figure out what those are. And then we'll get the individual employees to do a 360 so they can see how they see themselves and versus how their colleagues see them. And then we can compare the results of that with how the organization would like everyone to be. And that's, that can be very interesting because you can literally range from the organization wants to see itself like this, but no one in the organization sees themselves like that. Or, or there's a complete match. And it's also very interesting because if you asked the top three or four accountancy firms in the world, who are all, you know, the big four, they will all answer the question very differently, which is a function of their culture and their style as an organization. So there's, there's no one answer, there's no one right answer. But if you can then share with the employees, well, here's the half a dozen character qualities we'd like everyone to be good at, um, and here's why. And it, you know, th and that can be tied into your mission and vision and values and all the rest of it. Um, but it's also an opportunity for people to say, well, look, I'm really good at this one, this one, this one, which clearly aligned to what the company wants. But in my 360, people have also pointed out this one and this one, which I'm not so good at, which the company would like me to be good at. So there's two that are worth starting to work on straight away. And because you've just had a 360, you can ask all of your respondents, listen, if you see me in a meeting or you're working with me and you see there's a way that I can dial up being more whatever the character quality is, please tell me, give me feedback. If you think I'm doing something better or worse, give me tools, tips, techniques, feel free to coach me and mentor me. It's like, who's not going to respond to a request like that when you can genuinely see that someone's trying to improve themselves and, you know, work harmoniously with you to achieve better outcome for the company? Now, one of the things that I think is great is that we're thinking about what do we do with that feedback? How do we work for it? And I know that there still might be people reluctant to say, how could I dial that up? Because it's a scary place to be to admit that maybe we have to change. Well, let's talk about the benefits of this approach. When the organization really chooses these character qualities and lives by them, 
what are the benefits about what are the benefits that you notice in your work with clients from actually helping people because it sounds like you're helping them not only understand who they are to be their best self but then also to embrace feedback as something that's not you know a fundamental foundational flaw it's something that's actually a part of our road to success what benefits do you notice when people apply your framework um do I have your permission to be your mentor for a few minutes? Oh my gosh. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. This is the scary part for me. Yes, you do. <laughs> so let's show, don't tell. So um, your your listeners won't be able to see this, but you can see the screen with the 54 character qualities. Um, I'd like you to choose one that if I were to ask your significant other or your best friend or one of your siblings or your parents or one of your co-workers and you knew they were right in choosing it which one of these character qualities do you think you could perhaps do some work on and dial up and improve uh i'm laughing because i'm like when you put in all those contacts i'm like i feel like i know which one they would say uh you know when i look at this list i think that being it you know, even just the word expressive, how I manage my emotions is one, or in terms of um, maybe me, even my being able to be more forgiving or practice self-compassion with myself, but those would be probably the two. Um, and then maybe more adaptable to allow change to be there. So I picked three, but I guess if I was looking at one, it might be one to dial down would be my expressiveness. Okay. Which one are we going to dial up? Which one would we dial up? I think it probably my ability to, my confidence. Let's talk about that, confidence. Confident. Okay. So um, if you were to work on being more confident for the whole of March, yeah? Yeah. The next four weeks. What would you like people to be noticing and saying to you or sending you a WhatsApp message where they clearly witnessed that improvement in confidence? What would you like them to be saying to you? I would like them to acknowledge me for setting boundaries around things and not saying yes to everything, but being confident in my time and my availability and saying, we respect that you did that. Um, even confident in sharing my voice when maybe I don't think that something is the right thing to do instead of trying to toe the line or say what someone else maybe wants to hear. Anything else that you'd like them to say? Um, you know, if I was really confident I, in the truth, it would be to have less anxiety and just trust that I'm doing my best. Okay. One more thing that you'd like to say to yourself. One more thing that I would like to say to myself is don't give up. I think that's probably the biggest thing is don't give up. So if you were more confident, you wouldn't give up. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. So you can imagine now what those various stakeholders in your life might say to you if you worked on it and you nailed it at the end of a month. Yeah. And yes. you know what you'd say to yourself. So just describe one or two real benefits to you that you would achieve if you pulled that off. I would be less anxious and I would worry less. And I would still be taking how, how does that and how does that benefit you? I would sleep better. I would be more present in my life and not ruminating or thinking about all of the things that I'm not. I would practice more self-compassion and less judgment. How does that benefit you? It's my mental health and it's my time. It's my ability to actually help people or be present for the people that I love in my life. And for me, it's just being happier. And why is that important to you? 
oh, well, this is important because we have one short dang life here on this planet. And I want to make sure that I do my best to enjoy it. So final question, tell me one or two things that you're going to do every day in March to achieve those benefits you've just spelled out to me. You know, one thing that I am working on actively is practicing self-compassion, and that's in the form of writing something positive about myself every single day that is not met with criticism or self-doubt. I'm Now you're making me tear up, but that it would be honestly practicing self-compassion and letting go of worry. And so self-compassion and maybe writing, and it's journaling, but it's writing down one thing that I like about myself and one thing that I give myself permission to let go of or a judgment that I have that I give myself permission to let go of. So would you be willing today to commit to writing for no more than two or three minutes a day for the whole of March in acknowledging yourself in some positive way? Yes, actually, yes. I am going to commit to that right now. I am going to commit to doing that every day this month. And I love that this is the task and it makes me feel uncomfortable as I'm grabbing my coffee cup, but I I actually want, I really do want to commit to this. And would you be willing to commit that we, not a podcast conversation, but you commit at the end of March that we have a half an hour video called Catch Up and you can tell me what happened and what the benefits turned out to be for you how easy or difficult it was for you to do that and how you have improved your life through developing your confidence. I would absolutely be willing to commit to that. Right. Well, I think you've just hopefully answered your own question. It's with tears. And, you know, I thank you for even asking that because I think even our listeners might assume that me, I'm a really confident person and they don't realize that underneath I'm more of a perfectionist that never thinks I'm doing well enough. And so it is something I really have to work on. And I appreciate you for even, even though it felt real uncomfortable, David, like I appreciate you um, just even, I guess, forcing me to really think about that in, in a way that I can take accountability. And I, so thank you. Well, there's no point knowing that you're not as confident as you want to be or think you could be. That is not going to help you. So acting on it with intention and dialing it up and working on it, you can learn and grow through that. And guess what? In a month's time, you'll think, you know what? That wasn't as hard as I thought. The benefits were five times more than I said to David. And now I'm going to look at another one over here that I think I could dial up as well, because I chose three initially. But And you learn how to learn to dial up all of these innate capabilities in yourself. Oh my gosh. I, and I love that this is, it feels manageable. It feels like, it feels manageable. It's not me trying to be and pick up a list of character qualities that I have to try to be all, but this feels, and you had said, the two to three minutes. This feels manageable and it also is helping me be accountable because we're talking about it instead of something that I live and don't talk about in my head. So, David. And and most most people, Jen, is like if they make that commitment as you've done now to, you know, one character quality for the whole of March, two or three minutes a day, um, then you're going to go into every meeting, every conversation, every situation, think, right, how can I be more confident in this meeting, in this situation right now? I could try this. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, I'll try something else. Oh, oh, that seems to work. And you don't, it's not like you need to get off the bus and go on a course for a week. It's like you're just trying it out, course correcting, learning as you go and grow. And you're doing it in the flow of life, in the flow of work, in the flow of studies or whatever. And just being conscious, I can be more um, courageous and and I want to be. And let me experiment with it. Let me fail a few times and fall over and pick myself up and dust myself down and have another, oh, look, it worked better this time. So therefore, it wasn't a failure. It was just a growth opportunity. 
How I okay, I have to ask one final question, but how do you? Because my initial thought, if we're talking about confidence, is that when I make a mistake, it immediately feeds that beast of like you're still goofing it up. And so I'm curious if you have tips, just knowing the level of resilience that you've demonstrated of how you can still approach yourself with compassion, even if you're not, it feels like you're not there. Like, I don't know if you have words of wisdom or that you've used, because that's probably the most big difficult thing is meeting myself in that moment with kindness. I'm probably begging for tips and tricks here of just like a perspective on that of like, what you remind yourself or any mottos that you remind yourself of? Um, Well, um, I said earlier on in our conversation about how I ended up being a single parent, you know, of a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And I chose to focus on being a good dad. If you were to ask my children today to give me a score out of 10 on my parenting skills, you know, and to comment, they would say, oh, my God, he hadn't got a clue what he was doing. You know, he was so embarrassing. He was the only parent that ever wanted to do it his way rather than all the other. And if I had a dollar for every time my children called me embarrassing, I could have retired a long time ago. They, but they will say, but he really gave it his best shot. He really tried his hardest. And if he did screw up and we pointed out to him that he screwed he was decent enough to say, you know what, I think you're right. I should have done it that other way and I apologise. You know, I really, really tried my very hardest, you know, to be a great dad to my children. I try and be a great boss to everybody, a, gr- a great business partner or whatever. But I'm human and and what you know would look great to me being a parent didn't look great to my children always. And you know, they had the same love and the same discipline and the same rules and the same values, but they're as different as chalk and cheese. So something might have worked for one, but not for the other one. But at the end of the day, they're now 36 and 32, and they still come and stay with me once a month and voluntarily i don't have to insist on it um and you know i know we love each other very much and 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 the funny thing is now the last few years they tell me and each other oh my god i'm becoming more and more like dad now i heard myself say this the other day or doing this the other day and it's like yay 20 years later i'm finally validated but um i think that you know that's just being human you know and as long as you give everything your best shot and you do learn from your errors and mistakes and you apologize to people and you put the train back on the tracks if it falls off that's life yeah. you know yeah. the, the, the on in the chat the the chat well, there were two or three over the years who came in and said well i've never made a mistake in my life i always wanted had the question on the tip of my tongue Oh, I'd love to hear your wife's perspective on that. Or your secretary, you know, your secretary's perspective, like, um, and, and give him that feedback. Um, but, you know, we're all human. Give it your best shot. Try your hardest. Be kind realized that you know falling over isn't failure staying down is failure get back up dust yourself down have another go try it a different way do it with honesty and integrity and be kind along the way and that is how we grow and learn david i i really appreciate your words today for our audience i know that i needed to hear that message and i know that someone else needed to hear that message and i really appreciate Antelaki's approach of seeing human being human treating human that's how it feels to me is like creating a better workforce where we can be our best by not magnifying only our worst but continuing to look in small ways of how we can improve david how can people get in touch with you 
Um, probably the best way is um, via LinkedIn. Um, and if you look up David C.M. Carter, that's David C.M. Carter, um, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, or you can email me um, at hello at entelechy.academy. Um, but LinkedIn is probably the best way to get a hold of me. And I reply to everybody, by the way. Um, so I was um, I was going to share one last little little story with you. Oh, um, no, based on something you just said. So when you write a book where it says on the front cover, you know, learn to become the best version of yourself uh, through the world's leading CEO mentor, you kind of put yourself on a pedestal, you know, ready for everyone to take a shot at you. And so one of the most frequently asked questions that I was ever asked was, so, Mr. Mentor, are you the best version of yourself? And I always used to say, yes, I absolutely am the best version of myself. And they were quite shocked that anyone could be so arrogant to, you know, say that they were the best. I said, and the only reason I say that is because every day I work to be a better version of myself. And it's as good as it gets today, but there's plenty of room for improvement. And so, you know, developing our entelechy, it doesn't really all fit into place until right on the last day. But I still want to keep going and try to get there. Oh my gosh. Every day, every day is an opportunity for us to be our best self. I love that. I That's a beautiful way to end it. David, thank you so much for, I don't know, just being you and creating this space and having these conversations as it relates to, you know, being our best and how we can do that with honesty and compassion and vulnerability. Thank you so much for coming on to the Leadership Habit Podcast. I, I truly loved having you on. It's been a pleasure and thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I really enjoyed my conversation with David. I was a little in my feels. It can be difficult to talk about the things that we want to work on or the things that, you know, maybe are our blind spots. But I'm really grateful for my conversation with David and helping me. And I hope that it helped you. And if you want to learn more about Entelechi, you can actually download their app. You can get a free 14-day trial. The Entelechi app, that's Entelechi, E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y. And that app is available on both the Google Play and Apple App Store. And of course, you can check out and learn more about Entelecki by going to entelecki.academy.com. Thank you so much for listening today. If we can help you or help to develop your leaders, please head on over to crestcom.com. We would love the opportunity to offer a complimentary leadership skills workshop, or you can head on over to crestcom.com. There you can download our monthly white paper, our eBooks, and you can even find out more about our complimentary webinars. Until next time. Time.